people of Earth. Give hope. Hi, I'm Willa. Hi, I'm Marla. Hi, Marla. And we are the, the Gig Hoes. Who's here today, Marla? The fabulous, talented, yes. funny, warm, <laughs> and energetic Norman yes. Spitz. <laughs> <laughs> One of the OGs of the club date business. <laughs> God, Norman, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. What can we say about you that hasn't been said already? That's right. <laughs> when I was in the mountains at Estamana, they coined the term Norman Spiz, the best there is. Ah, yes. I like remember that. Remember that one? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, you remember Stephen Scott. I was one when, of the partners, right? Right, when that was a big deal. Right. You were on the board of, of the Friars, Friars Club. Club. Right. That's right. You played in a band with Neil Sedaka. Neil was in my band at the Estimate. Neil was in your band. That's right. Look at and that. We, and we went to uh, high school together. Right. In Brighton Beach. Lincoln High School. Link, oh, Lincoln High School. Yeah, right. That's yes. Right. And we still stay in touch. Uh-huh. So here, here's the first question. You're from the generation behind me and Marla. Correct. Right. When club dates was a whole other animal. A whole different situation. Right. I mean, at the point where you started, were there even electric instruments? The electric accordion. Oh, my God. The quarter box. No. First the accordion. Right. Wow. And then the quarter box. And the PA system was the microphone into the amplifier of the accordion. Of the accordion. One microphone. It wasn't wow. even a Fender guitar. I know. <laughs> it was not, not even, even a Fender good. guitar. So it was like a piano and an upright bass? We never used it. The, the basic band was accordion, mm-hmm. drums, right. saxophone, trumpet. Uh-huh. And then bass was the fifth instrument. Wow. And there were probably a lot and of... no them, guitar, right? No guitar. No guitar. No guitar. They and there were no... the rock yet. They weren't doing the rock. No, there was no rock. <laughs> <in those days. laughs> no. But what we did do is we played a whole different kind of music. Right. I mean, we played waltzes. Right. Tangos. Right. Pasodobles. Yeah, yeah, we were talking Rumbas, yeah. okay. cha-chas. Right. All of those the things. The Latin was big. Right. Latin started to become big in the fifties. In the fifties, late fifties and sixties, people went to like the dance classes. Exactly and learned, right. So yes. this is where they got to do it. Was it was all right. ballroom dancing. Ballroom. There were no the kids way. at bar mitzvahs. What? No kids. Where were? <laughs> but the, the, even the bar mitzvah. The bar mitzvah boy, boy oh, and maybe three days. friends. <laughs> no games for kids. Wow. No nothing. Oh, that sounds like heaven. <laughs> and we used to do two hundred and fifty jobs a year. Right. And it was looked down upon by the musicians. Right. Who were working in the nightclubs? Well, right. Oh, that's no different than now. Now, <laughs> and I worked in the nightclubs for a while. You're talking about like the Palladium and or the Copa. No, there was the Copa. There was the Latin Court. There right. was uh, the Americana. Right. Plaza, and Broadway shows. The Pierre like and the Broadway shows. Massive. And Broadway the Union shows. was very strong. And right. we used to go to the Union floor. Right. right. Every right. Wednesday. To get your gigs. And then we get the gigs. Right. And there was a guy on the stage who used to page everybody. Uh-huh. And some of the musicians used to pay the guy to page them so people would know their names. Right. Was so Nat look- Mash involved? In Nat this? Mash was, it was before It was, it was before, before Nat, Nat Mash. Mash. Wow. Before Nat- so, so I want to go back to the beginning. Do you remember your first paid gig? Yes. Tell me. I was 15 years old, Lincoln High School. Mm-hmm. Pete Agins, who was a bass player, his father had an anniversary party, uh-huh. and we played in his house. Now, how many is And we? he was a bass player, who so was he we? was playing. How many people? It we? was myself, a guy named George Jacobs. Yeah, what did he play? Played piano. piano. 
and Jerry Simon mm-hmm. played drums. And you were playing? And I was playing trumpet. Trumpet. And that was it. We played in the house. Anniversary party. $10 we got. $10 for the whole band? Or each. Each. Well, that's about right. <laughs> and that year, I was my first year up in the mountains. Uh-huh. Pete got the gig, and we worked at a place called Jaffe's Evergreen Manor. Oh, Lordy. Sounds great. It was in Liberty. Uh-huh. Max and Muriel Jaffe <laughs> owned the place. Great. It was a small hotel, and it was the first time that we ran into places where we had shows. Uh-huh. And shows with, like, guest, guest performers that would come in? And- yes. The entertainers would come in, and we'd just read their music right. and play them. And we'd have to rehearse them in the afternoon, mm-hmm. and then we'd play them. And we got to be very good at this. And in those days, you had to be able to sight read. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. You had to read. That's what we did. We read. Right. Today, the acts come with tracks. Right. So we used to play these acts. And then we gra- I graduated from each one. One year was Jaffe's Evergreen Manor. Then I went to Lakewood one winter. And then 1958, we went up to the Estamana. That's David Bass, Neil Sedaka, myself, and Howie Tischler. Mm-hmm. The Norton Ls. Norman, Norman, David, and Neil. The Norton Ls. A Norton. Norton, Norton, N O R D. Norton. Yes. So we get there the first day, and Est. And by the way, in the mountains, all the hotel owners were strong women, very strong women, cool. and they ran the hotel. I mean, it was unbelievable. And where were their husbands? The husbands were like slipping along. I'm listening. <laughs> I'm tell- it's the truth. That's great. I, I worked for Ann Gilbert, Esther, mm-hmm. and, and then Lillian Brown, and mm-hmm. all, you know. Browns. So Esther comes out with a mattress under each arm with her sister Irene, <laughs> uh-huh. and she looks at us and she says, Who are you? Mm-hmm. She says, We already have busboys. Uh-huh. And I said, With the band. She says, You're the band? You're too young to be the band. We don't want you. Go home. Oh, wow. I said to her, Well, why don't you hear us play first? Right. And she said, all right. So we played that night. And then from then it was history. Of course, we were great. They loved us. And this is in a book, by the way, called It Happened in the Catskills Uh on page 104. It's a whole story (laughs) with my picture of that band. Oh, that's great. That's great. So, um, and that's when Neil started writing songs. And he wrote Stupid Cupid and Connie Francis. And Don Kirshner used to come up and hang out with us. And then I increased the band. And we brought in another band, which was then the Esquires. Uh I brought them in as the Latin band. And so, so you were already contracting on some. Yeah, level, right? yeah. And how old were you at this point? Nineteen, <laughs> twenty. <laughs> so great. And also, when I was in college, I was booking jobs all over the place. Wow. And we used to meet at a place called Dubrow's. And so you never had like an office. No, we, I worked out of my house. Right. But I was one of the first people to have an answering machine, and it was like, it was as big as a desk. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Tapes and stuff. Yeah. Right. Right. And were you going to college at the same time? Yeah, I was going to Manhattan School of Music. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. You, how long are you playing trumpet? Like, how I'm playing, did you well, start? Like, I started piano when I was seven. And I always wanted to play trumpet. My mother wouldn't let me play trumpet till after I was by mitzvah because it would be too many things for me to do. Today, the kids go to soccer, they go to right. tennis, they go to... The day after my bar mitzvah, I went out and I took trumpet lessons. Huh. I was in the junior high school band. I was first trumpet in the junior high... Wait, I have high... to ask. What was it about the trumpet? I just liked it. That's all. <laughs> I don't know. And I was wearing braces at the time, oh, so God. it was a problem. <laughs> right. You electrocuted. Which also... <laughs> that's right. So I played first trumpet in the junior high school band in three months. Right. And then, in, and then when we went to Lincoln High School, I was in the dance band, and uh, we had a great dance band. Did Neil Sedaka have his band, Link Tones, the same time that you had your band? It was called The Tokens. The Tokens, right. And that was his band, right? It was just a, a singing group. Right. 
Yeah, I've heard of it. It was a singing group. And there was a show called Ted Steele, which was like a Dick Clark show. Every high school went there. To play. No, to dance, to the sing, you know. know, But we brought the band, and we played on television. Wow. So you were kind of a local star. Right, right. So now I come home. I'm living in Coney Island. Mm -hmm. And I'm practicing all the time, and the neighbors are screaming and yelling because <laughs> they hear scales. You know, they don't know anything. Well, they're hearing a trumpet. All of a sudden, <laughs> right? All of a sudden, they see a television. Yeah, and there they you see are. me playing. I'm, I'm playing a solo. It was. Um, <laughs> then they like. Accept uh, I, it. Oh my God! We didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny, right? When right. someone sees you on TV, everything changes. Right. Yeah. Exactly right. So then, after three years, I had a fight with Esther. So she never took me to following year. So I showed her I got a job at the Concord. Right, there you go. We were waiting for you to get <laughs> right. to the Concord. So I worked at the Concord. I had a band at the Concord. And our job was to play for the singles. They had singles before the show from 9 to 10. You mean a singles dance for a single singles people? dance, because all the singles came up to the Concord every weekend. Thing in the Concord. Right. Every weekend. weekend. Singles weekend, every weekend. We played from 9 to 10. And then we'd play in the lounge during the first act of the show. But we would augment the band when the big acts came in. Steve Lawrence came in, I would play third trumpet. So I played for all of these right. acts. So like who? Oh, Sammy Davis, Steve Lawrence, uh, Tony Martin, wow. uh, all of these, all yeah. of these. Um, and the greatest feeling was when you're sitting in the band and you're playing the charts that you hear on the radio. Right. And you're playing it, and it's yeah. it's like goosebumps time. Yeah. Where did the charts, they brought their own charts They always them bring their charts. Because the charts were created for the studio. Right, yeah, right. exactly right. They, they bring their arrangements. They, had their they like bring their arrangements. Nelson and they, Riddle. And right, right. Guys. And they'd also bring their own lead trumpet player, their own keyboard player, their right. own drummer. Right. That's what they, and their own conductor. Yeah. So, so what happened to you? <laughs> so after that, I went, and then I was in the army, and oh, uh, yeah, that's what happened to you. Right. Was that Korea? It was before Korea. Oh. Oh, no, it was after Korea. After it Korea. was just okay. before Vietnam. Okay. I was stationed in Fort Monmouth, New, New Jersey, overseas in New Jersey, right? right? <laughs> and I was in a band. What was the other side of the river? Right, that's yeah. right. I was in a band, and I used to come in every weekend to play club dates. Right. And my forte was always, I was able to conduct shows. That was the thing that I did best. I was an okay trumpet player, but I was a great band leader and a good conductor Conductor. for for the shows, you know. So now I'm with a group called Glenn Burton, and they were the music, the house music at a place called the Colony Hill. So all summer long they had shows. I was the only one who could conduct. So that was my gig. I led that big band, 5,000 people, and I conducted all the shows. There we had Tony Bennett, Tony Martin, Connie Francis, Buddy Greco, all the the major acts. And meanwhile, I got to know all these acts, you know, but working with them in the mountains, they became my friends, all of them. Now they were doing the New York State beauty pageant. Oh, gosh. At that place. Uh-huh. And the place said, well, our music is going to do it. Right. So I conducted it. Right. So I went to meet the director of the show. His name was Fred Dukes. Uh-huh. He says, do you, ever, do you know how to conduct an I said, yeah, I can do it. You know, fine. Yeah. He says, you know what double cans are? I said, sure, I know what double cans are. No what problem. Is du- what are double cans? Double cans. Yeah. The right ear. Yeah. Uh, is the music. And the other is the... the left ear is all the directions from the director, and right. you have to pick out your own cue. In other words, you'll say, camera one, move forward, camera right. three, music now. Right. And it, you got to pick that out. 
the first time I did it, I don't know what's going on, and I mess up. Mm-hmm. But that's all right. I got it the second time. So I had my friend Dick Berkey, who was the piano player and arranger for Bobby Darren. Mm-hmm. I had him write a fanfare to open up the show. The fanfare started on a high F. The MC was um, Johnny Desmond. Johnny Desmond used to sing with Glenn Miller Band. And Donna Valeri, who was Sergio Frankie's sister. Right. Wow, these are all names from my childhood. Okay. Right? Yeah. First, they say, drum roll. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, beauty pageants are Johnny Desmond and Donna Valerie. Oh, no. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> Let's do it again. <laughs> Five times. It's like the Vietnamese the, table. I got a story about that oh, also. Good. The trumpet players, their lips were oh, like crazy starting yeah, off right. like that. But we got through it, and it was great, and I did 10 of them uh-huh. of these all over the place. All right, so, hang on. Can we move to funny stories? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's get to the story. Yeah, we were talking about the Vietnamese table. Yes. That reminds you of a story. Okay, good. I'm doing a job at the Bell Harbor Jewish Center. Right. Caterer Stuart Summerstein. He comes over to me. Norman, we have this very, very fancy Viennese table. Uh-huh and I want you to really give a big introduction. <laughs> the table is outside in the lobby. So he says, okay, now, drum roll, ladies and gentlemen, caterers present the beautiful Vini's table. Da, 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 right? Song of the flame. Song of the flame. <laughs> Doors open up, two waiters wheel in, one table with a big bowl of chocolate mousse. Uh-huh. The other tables don't fit through the door. <laughs> <laughs> Did they fall? 200 people are sitting there for about five seconds. They think that this is the whole Viennese table. Oh, yeah. They converge on oh. these two waiters. Oh, <laughs> That's great. And what did they do? Did they just send everyone Then they finally, no, he finally worked it out. Oh. He got other tables, had them serve the food. Don't do that. Wait. Yeah, they couldn't wait. You can't say that to hungry, hungry, dessert, hungry people. But I'll tell you another story. This is when I was working for Herb Sherry. Herb really taught me a lot about this business. In those days, you call up a guy, you go to a job. Right. There's no set bands. Everybody worked. Yes, with the I musicians. remember that. They, I remember that. They yeah. know the songs, and, and if you had a big band, you had a guy that would fake second, third, fourth <laughs> harmony. You know, a viol- the double for a saxophone was clarinet, flute, and violin. Wow. You know, so there's a job, and it's at one of the big hotels. There's a 10-piece band, and Herb goes to the job, and he starts leading the band. He's left for 20 minutes. It turns out he's wrong leading band. the wrong band. <laughs> The musicians don't know any different. They don't know who the leader is. They're playing the songs. That's really funny. <laughs> he was in the wrong room. He was the in the wrong place. room, leading the wrong, the wrong band. There was wow. another job that time. And wow. was the other guy leading his band? The other guy was—I don't know. Didn't show up or whatever. But that—that's what happened. Wow. I mean, it's—it's it's unbelievable. Oh and I also booked a lot of very strange jobs. Okay. You know, later on I started to get jobs. Uh, I, I once booked Willa. Well, that's strange. On a job. <laughs> What was that? Which one? A bar mitzvah for a dog. Oh, right. Oh, God. A bark mitzvah. A bark mitzvah. That's right. Oh, my God. That's right. A bark mitzvah. Well, I once did a party uh, years ago with Beth David of Lindbrook. This was in the um, late 60s, early 70s. It was just the beginning of these extravagant bar mitzvahs. Wait, were they not extravagant in the old days? 
Were they just sort of? Uh, no, I mean over the top things with themes and you know, right. yeah. Right. This was a jungle theme. Ah. So we did this jungle party that had thatched huts. The <laughs> waiters wearing skirts they and all have, that. They like, had real leopards and elephants. And no, them. but they had monkeys <laughs> handing out the yarmulkes. What? And the reason that they handed out the yarmulkes was because they couldn't read to give out the place cards. Are you serious? True story. Oh my this god! This is a true story. The guy's name was Jerry Brownfield. How did they guy train the, the monkeys party. to do that? Oh, I used to book monkeys all the time. Zippy the chip. <laughs> Zippy the chip was a big act. I used to I book them a lot. <laughs> And if he played trumpet, that would have really been <laughs> right. <laughs> he would have put Norman out of business. Right. The whole club day thing started. Yeah. I mean, years ago, with with the entertaining, yeah. was a guy named two guys. There was a guy named High Kraus. That wait, that that sounds like such a not real name, but I, I love it. High Kraus. High Kraus. He had an office was on. His flat... son named Low Kraus. Right. Hyman, I guess Hyman. his name was. Yeah, yeah I know. I know. But he had he, he had an office on Flatbush and Church Avenue upstairs. He was the first guy to do entertaining. He used to sing pennies from heaven and throw out pennies. <laughs> that was his first shtick. Did he ever hurt that. anyone? I don't know, but that, and he started all of that shit. And the other guy mm -hmm. was Nat Brooks. Right. I don't know if you ever heard of Nat Brooks. So they came up with gimmicks. They all came out with gimmicks. And Nat had a goatee, and he was a crazy guy. And he used mm -hmm. to, his clarinet play used to break the clarinet in two and play with just the top half what, of it. What, like a kazoo? <laughs> no, no, he would just play the upper range, you oh, know, and it would just see. be like that. You know. So everyone needed, a, it's like that. But he, and he would right? go do these crazy things. And, you gotta yeah, have the gimmick. Right, what is the number he used to do? He made up all these songs. And mm -hmm. then after that, then Al Stan came along and did the whole thing with the strobe lights. Right. And then yeah. when I was at Stephen Scott, I started the entertainment department. So mm -hmm. I used to book all these weird acts. Like what was the weirdest act? Uh, Besides Zippy the Chimp. <laughs> well, I once booked um, one of the baseball players, one of the Yankees, I forget which one his name was, to go to the kids and sign autographs. Uh-huh. Okay, that sounds pretty normal. Right. But? Woman calls me up afterwards. Uh-uh. We love the party. We love it. My husband is the biggest Joe DiMaggio fan in the world. Oh, my God. I would do anything if he could have dinner with Joe DiMaggio. Could you get him for me? Wow. <laughs> I don't know. I'll try. Has no agent. Huh. I, I guess he didn't need one. He was Joe DiMaggio. Right. I call up Bowery Savings Bank. He was doing commercials for them. Oh. No information. Call up Mr. Coffee. <laughs> no information. <laughs> but I get a guy from North American Phillips, which is the factory that made Mr. Coffee, uh -huh. to forward a letter from me. To Joe DiMaggio. To Joe DiMaggio. I send a letter and I call the client. I says, I sent the letter. Maybe we'll hear from him. Maybe we won't. I get a call from the receptionist of the office. Joe DiMaggio is on the phone. Wow. Hi, Norm. What's this all about? <laughs> wow. Did he know you or he just never, called you Norm? Never yeah. did know me. I said, these people want you. They, they would like you to have dinner with them. Well, I don't know, you know, I don't know if I'll do it, but, but give me a call next week. He keeps me on the hook for about three weeks. Uh-huh. And I called him at the racetrack in San Francisco where we used to hang out. That's the press box at uh -huh. the racetrack. Right. Finally, I call him. <laughs> he says, all right, Norm. He says, I'm coming in in February. Where are we going to eat? So I said, well, I'm going to take a room at Windows of the World. Right. 
He says, no, he says, I had to go to Abe's Steakhouse on 72nd Street. That was a big um, uh-huh. hangout for those guys, sports club. I said, yeah, but these people want a private room. He says, okay, fine. I, and I work it out with him. And I said, well, how much money do you want, Joe? Mm-hmm. He said, well, these people are going to all this expense. I can't really Aww. charge them money. Wow. I said, well, what about your charity? He says, no, 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 no. He says, let them just pay my expenses. Wow. So now I have a problem. What's my problem, Willa? What's your well, percentage you what of nothing? Right. Right. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> now, this is 1980, and, and <laughs> in those well, days... you just say, add it on to whatever you were going to well, say? Well, in those days, he would be considered like a $5,000 act. Uh-huh. Was there lives. some kind of... A pay scale that you guys well, had. Well, I knew, I knew like what. Like Zippy the Chimp was this much. Uh, I knew, I knew what the because right, as I started, didn't want it though. as I started booking the bigger acts, you right. know, I knew what they could what get, they and asking. I knew I could get for them, and I knew right. I could charge them. Right. So I figured it was a five thousand dollars. So I called him. I said, "Listen, he doesn't want any money." I said, "But I'm going to figure him a five thousand dollar act. I get twenty percent. Right. Give me a thousand dollars." She said, "Fine." Oh, there you go. That's fine. That's what, I, that's what I figured you would do. Right. Yeah. He comes in. I'm going to meet him at the plane. That was the date he SAS oh, no. plane gets short on the runway. Right. And Same day. The whole airport got closed down. And I hide a limo. Oh, my God. There's no phones in those days. Right. No car phones. Right. So I go there, and I, I get to the airport, and they say, well, he went to Newark. <laughs> they went to Newark. So I Go, guy goes to Newark with like the, in the limo, <laughs> in the limo, right? And I go there, and I, I managed to find. He says he left. He took oh. a cab. So I call him at the Ameri- <laughs> I call him at the Americana Hotel where, where we were staying. He always stayed at the same places because they were giving him endorsements. Right, right. So I call him up. I says, Joe. I says, uh, I'll meet you for dinner. He says, Well, I, I'm just gonna go to the stage to have a sandwich. I said, Yeah. Well, I'll meet you there because I want to brief you on right. on the. Con- so I'm sitting, and my wife came with me, and I'm sitting in the stage delicatessen all alone with Joe DiMaggio. Wow. And, and you had never met him before? I had never met him before. Wow. Him. Oh, and he told me, he said, listen, I'll do it. He says, but you have to be there. Oh, nice. You know, what a drag, well, right? Well, yeah, no, but they do that. <laughs> all these acts, I had the same thing with Buddy. I, I'll tell you that with all the acts. Anyway, make a long story short, I meet him, and I pick him up the next day. We're in the limo riding down to Windows of the World. He says, you know, I'm not getting any money from these people. So I'm saying, here it comes. Yep. He says it would be nice if they gave a gift certificate to my grandchildren. I says, fine. Right. I said, in San Francisco, is there a Saks or an right. Eman Marcus? Right. He says, oh, no. They can't get anything for money. He says, get them Kmart or something like oh, that. Oh, my God. That's really all he was asking. Right, yeah. So <laughs> wow. I, I told him she gave him a $1,000 gift certificate. To Kmart. Yeah. So now <laughs> that has what you wanted. Now we get to Windows of the World. And there's a line to go into the bar. Right. And we go up to the front. And Joe says, I don't want to cut any lines. I says, we have a private room. It's okay. We'll go right. upstairs. So we go upstairs. We have this private room up there. Did people recognize you guys? As you were they with? recognized him, of course. You know, mm-hmm. and, and there was a whole buzz. Wow. Now the guy comes. Because it's a surprise for him. Oh. It's a whole surprise for him. Right. So the thing is, they're going to a private party at the Windows of the right. So he gets there. He hears the buzz about Joe DiMaggio. Right. And they get out of the elevator, and he starts walking to the public restaurant, and his wife says, there. Right. And his <laughs> wife says, where are you going? He says, oh, I want to go see Joe DiMaggio. She says, look, do me a favor. Let's go say hello to the people first. Right. And then he walks in, and it's unbelievable. Did he sob? The guy sobbed. Yeah. And I'm sitting next Aww. to Joe DiMaggio. Aww. And he, you know, 
a lot of people say bad things about him, but to me, I mean, I thought he was the greatest guy. Right. We're sitting there, and we're looking at the menu. He says, this rack of lamb for two looks good, Norm. <laughs> I hate lamb. <laughs> I said, yeah, Joe. Yeah, so I ate the lamb. Yeah. Now at the end, he drank, he drank something called Postum. I remember Postum. Right. It's like an instant thing. It's like bad instant coffee. Yeah, right, exactly it. right. Yeah. So he says to the waiter, give me a half a cup of water and post them. So the waiter gives him like a little bit of less, and he says, boy, he really took me serious with the water. I said, I'll get you more water. He says, no, I don't want to make any trouble. <laughs> wow. And it was a great night. And he used to call me afterwards for a wow. while. He called me. That's incredible. I mean, that's a great story. Yeah. But I'm thinking of like, I remember I heard on a Ted Mac amateur hour right. that he'd have all kinds of wacky acts. Like he had one yes. woman who would like, Slide the false teeth out of her mouth and clack them together like castanets, right? Right. Good. So I'm wondering if we you had... did every year. This was like you set me up for this. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm with you, baby. Every year, <laughs> every year since I ran the entertainment division, we did for publicity. Yeah. We ran an open audition. Uh, there you go. For any act other than a singer or a dancer. Right. Uh, I got a guy who did spoons, and I always got a big, I got a TV thing out of it, I mm -hmm. got a big spread in the newspaper, right. I got a, a guy who did spoons, yeah. I got all kinds of, the weirdest guy, I got a guy who stood on a chair <laughs> and jumped off the chair and rolled himself up in a bowl, roll of toilet paper. <laughs> wow, that's a talent. <laughs> Did he use up the whole roll? Of toilet paper? Used up the whole roll. <laughs> used up the whole roll. Oh, wow. I mean, now I'm trying to think of the logistics. So he's on a chair. He's was the roll started? Like, was it begun? He had it, like, <laughs> on his head or something. On his head. Oh, and it would knock it over. And he just over. rolled over and rolled, rolled over into, into it. it. Wow. So. That was not what I was expecting. <laughs> now I get a call from Madeline Smithberg. Yeah. Who was the producer of the David Letterman show? Oh, Stupid Petricks. Wow. She called me up. She says, "Do you have any of these yeah. things?" So I gave her a list of the the people, you know, and one of them was the toilet paper guy. Right. And she said, "No, he, they, David doesn't want that. It's too weird for him. Too weird. Too weird for him. Right. But anyway, I kept in touch with her over the years, and uh, every year she, I used to send her a Christmas card. She used to send me a thing, and I can get tickets for the show if I needed tickets right. for a, 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 a you know, now an you account. Tell me. Right. <laughs> now I tell you. Wow. So, that's uh, amazing. Yeah. So let me ask you this. I ask everybody this question, and right. maybe you don't have an answer, but." What was your most humiliating club date moment? My most humiliating yeah. club date moment? We all have one. Yes, I do have a humiliating club date moment. Of course you moment. do. Let's hear it. I mean, unless it's too painful to talk about. No, it's not painful to him because it was a life lesson for me. Okay, let's hear it. So it's New Year's Eve. Mm -hmm. I'm on the union floor. I'm Looking eight, for a gig? 18 years old. I don't have a gig. And what time of day was it? Yeah, right? Like It's the afternoon, 12 oh, o'clock. So right. you think you can get a gig, right? Okay. Can you imagine? I, I know, I'm trying to imagine but that. But there's a lot of people on the uniform looking for gigs that day because a lot sure. of people need guys. Right. In those days, by the way, the good musicians, the stars, if you wanted them to work New Year's Eve, you had to give them like five other dates with it. If you wanted them to work a Saturday night, you had to give them two Sundays with right. it and so right. on. They were much in demand. So there was a guy named from the Bronx, Hal Silvis, who I knew, and he says, well, I know this guy that's looking for a trumpet player, so I go over to him. And he says, you know the tunes? I said, sure, I know the tunes. I know uh, all the tunes. I'm Norman Spitz. Right, I know all oh, the tunes. But you were 18. Right, 18, yeah. right. And I had worked in the mountains. I had experience and right. so on. 
So he says, okay, South Baldwin Jewish Center, okay. 9 o'clock. I said, okay, I'll go there. He said, no, no, no. He says, you'll meet me. They were afraid I wouldn't show up. So he wanted to He wanted to, to drive me. There. So I met him. And we get there. And the band is, his name is Max something. He looked like Pope John because he used to carry a picture of, the, of Pope John <laughs> and show it. That's what he was the leader of the band. Wow. It what, was, show it to the audience? Show it to the No, to, to everybody. You know, to say how he looked like oh. him, you know. Uh, <laughs> the, the office was an office called Harry Leftcourt. So there was him. There was a drummer who had no hi-hat. Wow. <laughs> These were all old guys. Yeah. So we're playing the cocktail hour. And we start. he starts calling tunes. Mm-hmm. Went through 30 minutes before I knew one tune that they played. Really? And the tune that they called that I finally knew, I can't give you anything but love, baby. Right. They played in A-flat, and oh. I played it in, I knew it in G. Right. Oh. And the whole night... So you didn't know anything they knew? I didn't know anything, but later on I started to learn some of the, to do some of the were tunes. Were they calling obscure tunes? Or you just... No, they were calling, well, to me they were obscure. Right. They, well, they it was they in the tunes. beginning of his Yeah, it was career, in the beginning, you, you know. know. Right. So. so they called all these tunes, but not only, you know, instead of encouraging me, these guys, Ready. how do you have yeah. the nerve right. to take this job? Yeah. Won't you know what you're doing? And right. I mean, that really, so that was... Uh, yeah, well, that's, that's how it was in the beginning for all of us. We were all like... Right. beat up on you? Well, Roger Murray, does right. that name ring a bell? Dominic Esposito. Yeah, well, he, he was, was Roger the, Murray. Yeah, Dominic yeah. Esposito. I know Roger. He broke me in, you know, yeah. with the guitar amp of the right. PA. And, and nearly like, broke your soul in the... Well, yeah. they, you know, the, the office put you on the gig, and you walk in not knowing anything, right. and you figure it out after six months. Right. I did a gig you like know, that. You only had one night. All right. <laughs> I did a gig like that, and I'd been playing for years, but they were calling tunes like Red Clay. You know, right. all these yeah. jazz tunes right. that I didn't know, and I got that same Red thing. Red Clay. On the other hand, yeah. I was very lucky that way because there was it was a busy June day and I needed a piano player. And uh, Jackie Michaels said to me, I have this piano player. I sent him out with one of my subleaders. He got a bad report, but you want to try him? I said, okay. Six, 16-year-old kid, Roy Gerson, uh-huh. uh, right? Yeah. He sure. comes to the job, great player. I mean, I can't believe how great this guy is, 16 years yeah. old. I said, what happened? Why did you get... He says he got mad at me because he called There Is No Greater Love. Uh-huh. So one tune. And he, he didn't got know that tune, which is a jazz tune. Right. And that was his loss because the Roy was with me for many years. Yeah, that was like Tommy Montalbano. Did you ever play with Tommy Montalbano? Yeah. He, he showed up when he was like 17, like Steve Gadd. He blew us all away. Right. So but that's great. the thing. Everyone expects, oh, you don't know what I know. It's like, yeah, but I know right. like 40% more than you uh, I know. know. Right. You know like, I know. How dare you? All right. Okay. Do you yeah, have more funny stories on that piece More of funny stories. <laughs> I like the funny you stories. You like the funny stories. I do. You, you know, you play music, it's not enough. You have to be funny, That's too. right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there was a guy named Bob Chevy. Remember Bob Chevy? Yes. Bob Chevy. We were just talking about Bob Chevy, weren't we? Very good singer. Was not a band leader. There comes a time where they're doing the first anniversary of the shooting of a mafia guy. I don't want to mention his name. I don't want to say Please don't. Yeah. We all want to live. Right. I want to live. I want to give. Chateau Pelham. Wow, where's that? The Bronx. The Bronx, baby. Uh, Pelham Parkway. But have you been to Chateau? I've been to Pelham Parkway. Open up all the rooms. Gothic chandelier, French chandelier, modern chandelier, all the rooms. Well, was that the name of the rooms? No, but that was because all those rooms were different, and but you opened them all up, so you had right. all the different chandeliers. Oh, oh, they literally had different yeah, chandeliers. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> a chandelier. Yeah. <laughs> 200 or 300 men. So it's like a memorial for right. Don. 
Right. Okay. The guy was still alive, as a matter of fact. <laughs> he was in a coma, but uh, oh my god! Yeah. But they didn't bring him to the thing. Right. Yeah. Ten-piece band. They contracted the band. But all men. And a couple of women, but mm-hmm. you know. And I'm there to conduct the band and right. conduct for the acts because there were acts there. Right. And Bob Chevy didn't know how to do that. Right. I mean, he could not. Not that he didn't know he couldn't do it. It wasn't right. what he did. It right. was what I do. So I get there before him. A guy comes over to me. He says, "Yuzel, play dance music when the people. Yuzel. Yuzel. Play dance music when the people are dancing, and dinner music when the people are dining." But if it's mostly men, who's I dancing? said, yeah, well, there were a couple of women dancing. Okay. I said, good, just tell me who the maitre d' is. I'll be the maitre d'. I said, fine, uh-huh. that's it. I'm playing along. Now uh, we had Pat Henry there. We had Morty Storm, a couple of other acts. Pat Henry was a good friend of mine. And Joey Rapp, the agent, comes in with Kay Stevens. Kay Stevens right. was at Song and Dance from Las Vegas. Yeah, she was a big name. Yeah. yeah. And she came in with the music, and I'm conducting the music for her. And Joey goes over to the guy that says, I'll be the maitre d'. Right. And was that one of the mob guys said, I'll be the maitre d'? Yeah, he was from the place. Right. I'll be the maitre d'. <laughs> he says, I'm Joey Rapp. I'm with Kay Stevens. Mm-hmm. And I like to go over the lighting for the room. Oh, boy. And he says, we got two kinds of lights here. <laughs> On and, and off. <laughs> that guy is dead now. <laughs> He's off. I did, oh, God. I did a party at um, the old Woodbury Country Club. Playing the party, and it's fine. Everything is fine. I'm ready to go home, and um, I can't get out of the place. All locked up? Cater locked up the place. Oh, God. Locked the people up in. <laughs> wouldn't let the people out. You mean the Why? guests were still there? Yes, Why, he wouldn't let the guests out. Because what happened there? was so he served playing. the wrong champagne, uh-huh. and the host said, I'm not paying you. Oh. I want the money discounted for the champagne. Uh-huh. The guy says, no, I'm oh locking you out. I got to get paid for everything. <laughs> so, I mean, we got to go to another job. Oh, it's an afternoon gig. It was an afternoon gig. Mm-hmm. So we got to go to another job. So I went to the guy. I said, listen, what are you taking out of us? <laughs> so he, he let us go out <laughs> through the back. For the first time in our lives, we went out through the kitchen instead right. of going in through the kitchen. Did you ever find out what happened? No. I, never, I think it was in the newspapers, but I, 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 I never... That's pretty funny. That's never, pretty we good. should try that when they don't pay us. That's yeah. Right. Lock the door. Away. Lock the doors. Um, That's good. I once played a... See, this is great. He's I <laughs> once snapping pl- him out now. When Clinton was running for president, yeah. the Flower Association from Washington did a publicity stunt. They ran a flower for president. Oh, I see. Just as a publicity sure. stunt. What were, who were the contenders? Do you remember? A flower. They had a guy in a flower costume. Oh, a guy in a flower costume. Yeah, or, or a bumblebee, something like that with right. flowers, right? <laughs> I had a marching band uh-huh. and a sound system in the middle of Times Square wow. at 12 o'clock. Holy crap. During, right? the, during the week? During the week. Wow. While these people were, were doing this whole publicity oh stunt for God. the year. Oh, my God. So uh, I did strange nice. jobs like that also. Mm-hmm. I did a job... Kentile floors? Yeah, yeah, sure. It's a... Uh, yeah, yeah for like Empire Carpet or A break dancer, tap dancer, a flamenco dancer to show the different dance on the floor. To show the durability uh, of all... I well, did I all of these things. Well, I think you booked me for a gig. I think it was you. It was for all that jazz, the show on Broadway. No, I didn't do that. No, it wasn't me. Somebody yeah. did. It was me, like a trio, me and a bass player and a drummer. Right. We had to stand in front of the frickin' theater... And play just that song. 
all that over jazz and over. over and over and over for like 45 minutes. Yeah, we had to play it like 15 times, whatever it was. We right. had to keep playing that song. Till we get it right. Oh, that's my God. Right. It was cold. It was like November or something. Well, that's like in the Army. We used to stand out in the cold all the time when the generals used to come on and, and you know, play the marches. Right. And as a trumpet player, I was on funeral duty. Oh, Oh, every by every veteran is entitled to a military funeral. Right. So when I was on the Rasta, I would get on a bus with seven guys with rifles, and we'd go to the cemetery, and I play taps, and they would do. By the way, taps is one of the hardest. Because it's slow. Because you're so afraid of Hitting messing a wrong up. Note. On. Yeah. Everyone's listening. Ah, that's one of the. It's quiet. It's that's solemn. one of the yeah. hardest things to sure. do is to play right. is to play taps. It's like you know Warren told me playing bolero. If you're a drummer, bolero right. is the one where everyone has a nervous breakdown. Right. You got to start really play the right. same thing over, but really low. And right. I imagine the Star Spangled Banner must be hard too. The same. Kind of no, 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 not the Star Spangled Banner. I've seen people screw up the Star Spangled Banner so many times. Yeah, but the Star Spangled Banner is is different. It's 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 just a regular song. I mean, it's not like Taps is only four notes. Right, but somebody died. Yeah, let's, yeah, somebody died. Yeah, but it's only four notes. How does Taps go notes. again? Da 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 da. Right, that's what I thought. And don't they play that at horse races too? No, that 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 that. Which which is what Cy Cogan always used to play on the clarinet to get everyone back up. Oh really? Come on, all you jackasses! So, were you ever on a, a gig where a fight broke out in there? Many times. Oh, yeah? What was the best one of those? There wasn't the best one. There was always <laughs> a fight. I've been on a gig where I found the uh, best man with the bride in the room. Okay. I've had that. You I've personally? Seen that. I personally saw that, yeah. And there was Having a big sex? fight. Well, I didn't... They were... They were around. You didn't check to see the proximity of their genitals. Exactly but they were right. in an embrace. Yep, 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 Because okay. yep, yep, Ballaroo told a story the last time about a groom having a picture of, of the best man and the bride having sex. But it's an urban legend. He wasn't there, but you were there. Yeah, you I was there. I saw that. All I right. saw that, yeah. And <laughs> Cred to Norman. <laughs> it's and then what'd you do? What's the appeal of the what best man? What did you man, do? Anyway? Well, you know, I've had, people, out? I've had people die on, on jobs. Well, that we, we all have. have. You all have that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's uh, nothing. There's a famous fry, Friars Club story, mm. and this really happened. Right. There was a radio star, um, Park Your Caucus Einstein. I love it. <laughs> Now this is, the, this is the this is the wait a minute. <laughs> now this is the father of Albert Brooks. I love Albert Brooks. And his real name is Albert Einstein. Oh wow! Right, that's You're kidding father. me. Right. That's his name, Albert yes, Einstein. Albert Einstein. <laughs> no, wonder, no wonder he changed it. Yeah. I'm just not that so smart. this guy was a big radio star, major radio star, and all of a sudden the whole thing collapses for him, and he's down in the dumps. He has no no work. There's a fryer's roast. And they say, well, let's bring him on. We'll put him on the dais, let him do a thing, and let the people see him again, so we'll get reenacted. He gets up at the roast, and he does his act, and he kills. Right. They love him. They're clapping. He sits down, has a heart attack, and dies. Oh, my God. I don't know why this sounds familiar. It's a true true story. Milton Berle gets up and says, Tony, Tony Martin, 
Sing something. Do something. Tony Martin gets up and sings, There Goes My Heart. Are you kidding me? True story. I, it's on tape. Crap. It's on the Friars. Oh, it's, my It's God. on the tape about the Friars. Well, at least the guy died with his boots on. That's right. You know. That's right. Wow. So so we've been talking for an hour. Right. <laughs> we can talk for more. I right. know we could, but I have to edit. One right. of us is going to edit this thing. So, right. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> He's so, your friend. Yeah. <laughs> I'm your friend also. I'm your yeah. friend also. Come on, Marlon. So, of all the clubs you've done, can you think of one that was just kind of stellar in a, in a good way? Like, just like you'll never forget that gig because it was so great. Well, uh, let me tell you, the first job I ever did with Herb Sherry, mm -hmm. the leader was a guy named Joey Sano. Mm -hmm. I love these names. These names are great. Joey Sano he, he, he was like a Jimmy Durante entertainer. Oh, great. That's what I'm saying. Did he have one of those? He was kind a of crazy guy. Yeah, yeah. And he, did it. And he used to do all of that. He was yeah. to do all of that. This is the very first job of mine. Menorah Temple for, for the Herb Sherry. The first job you with Herb Sherry. For work for Herb Sherry. There's Ma, Nor, Ma, right. Nor, right. Temple. <laughs> Menorah Temple in, in Borough Park. You never worked that place? <laughs> it's not such a bad word. <laughs> so I get to the job. Menorah Now it is a drummer. Marla's having a moment. <laughs> Menorah Temple. Right. You never heard of Menorah Temple? <laughs> it's in it's in Borough Park. I know Menorah is a thing, but when you just say Menorah Right, uh -huh. okay. Right. So now there's a drummer on the job who also owns an, uh, a pet shop. Uh-oh. And these two guys, evidently, they're like slapsip guys. Oh, and yeah. he was an accordion player. An accordion player, myself, Joey Sano, and... The Jimmy Durante guy. Soon as they get to the job, he sings the first song. The the, the, the Joey Sano sings the first song. Takes the cymbal off the drum and tosses it to the other guy. <laughs> the other guy starts throwing things. Were they mad? No, no they, they were they, like they, juggling it was an act. They were doing, it was an act. And that was the whole job. <laughs> and it was crazy. I couldn't believe it. So they're just grabbing things and throwing uh, right, things. Right, throwing things and wow. And, uh, and I'm standing there. Yeah. I don't <laughs> crazy. <laughs> I had a drummer working for me, Chip the Guard. Very nice guy. <laughs> Where do you get these names? He was Chip the Guard. Wow. He lived with his uncle. He came from the Midwest somewhere and lived with his uncle in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And we get to a job at the Bethel of Chappaqua. Oh, God. Chip calls me on the side. He says, Norman, my uncle has a pet snake. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And the snake yeah. is in the drum. <gasps> oh, my God. Oh, you mean he crawled in and he didn't realize he was there? I Holy said, shit. I said, get rid of it. <laughs> oh, my God. Get rid of it whatever you want to do. So what did he do? He, he, he gets it into the cymbal bag, you know, oh, and, and he, he brings it into the, the car. What kind of snake was it? I don't know. I don't care. We don't care. <laughs> That's pretty good. I once had another guy, uh, Billy, I forget his last name, a drummer. Mm. His brother was a bass player. They were country guys. Guy was always two hours early to a job. Early? Two Your hours kind early of guy. to a job. I loved him. <laughs> it's a half hour before the job. He's not there. And uh, I'm nervous. Right. Finally, he comes in, and the job was in Connecticut. I said, Billy, what happened? Why is He says, the axle on my car broke, and I had to fix it. I changed it. Wow. He changed the axle in on his, his tuxedo. He fixed the axle really? on his car. Absolutely, I swear to God. Holy crap! I said, Billy, wow, that's great. You know. Wow. 
I yeah, mean, these stories no, are no just... No cell phones, you couldn't call and say... No, no right. cell phones, mm -hmm. nothing. You're on the highway somewhere. Right. right. I once had a... I was playing at JP's, you know, that club in the city. Yeah. Where, yeah. And, you know, we played until 2 o'clock in the morning, and I had a gig at the Swan Club at noon the next day, Sunday. And I had a car that the fuel gauge was broken. So I'm driving, you know when you get off the Midtown Tunnel and you're on the LA and it converges with right. the BQE and there's yeah. that hill and it's like yeah. 10 lanes. Driving up that spot in the middle and the car dies. It's oh. February, it's three o'clock in the morning, I'm alone, There's and, and the cars are whizzing by me. Dangerous. Sure. What did I do? I got out of my car, I went to the back of my car, I got on my knees, I put my hands together. Oh like my this, God. Just like this. And I'm just kneeling by the back of my car. And I was so lucky because some doctor in a BMW pulled up behind me. Right. And he pushed me off. And there was snow on the ground, too. You know, he pushed me off, all the way off, pushed me into a parking space, and drove me home and didn't rape me. You know, I wow. mean, it was wow. unbelievable. God was looking after me that night. But what else could I do? I know. I'm yeah. I'm coming home from a job 1959. I'm at a job at the Garfield Temple. I had my father's car. Yeah. I parked my father's car in a place because it was snowing where I knew I could get out. We'll do the job. I come out. I had the girl singer. I was going to take the girl singer home. The car doesn't start. The wires were wet. Oh. Uh. What am I do? So I see Davy Bass is with Neil, and he had his father's cars, and there was no back seat in the car. He had a crate in the back seat. Right. So he sat on the crate. So I wave down Davy, and we get into the car, and we jump off the grill. Now the windshield wipers stop working. <laughs> we take string and on it either back side, and, forth. and you're and pulling, we're on pulling, <laughs> pulling. I've done something. We like drop. Really? We yeah, drop, you can't see where you're going. Right. Anymore. We drop off the girl. Wow. And now we're driving that. And then it's 5 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Audience, they're, they're 5 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah. We don't go home. No. We go to we go home. Hop. Go to <laughs> Nathan's. Oh. oh, Nathan's. Nathan's right near our house. Yeah. And we went to Nathan's and we, great. Yeah, we did that. That's great. You deserved it after a night like yeah, that. Yeah, I know. Uh, okay. So this has been... Norman's Biz, definitely one of the original gangsters of Club Dates. And, uh, it's great to hear. They're like the timeline of how things evolved right. from yeah. back even that yeah. far. Yeah. Because it keeps changing. Yeah. It does keep changing because it's changed a lot since we started, too. I'm I sure. was sure. I was at a wedding recently as a guest. It was a great band. Mm -hmm. The job was completely different from anything I've ever seen at a wedding. Mm -hmm. For instance, the ceremony was completely different. Mm -hmm. They had an orthodox ceremony. Instead of the bride walking around seven times, they each walked around three times uh -huh. around the other, and then they both right. walked around the yeah, seventh time. And then they did the poker. <laughs> no, no. And they, they had, did the hokey poker. Right. <laughs> and they had people from the... By the way, you know that guy uh, That guy died recently. What guy? The guy that wrote that song. Really? Hokey poker? pokey? Yeah, and at his funeral, they had a problem. Because no, they put his <laughs> leg into the fog and they pulled it out. Put his right we, leg in. Why did we fall for it? I know. I knew it was coming. Okay, we've gone way over. Um, <laughs> not that I'm sorry. Right. But again, Norman, thank you so much. Thank for you. It's my pleasure Great to stuff. be here. Great to have Great you. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, we bow to you because <laughs> you've been in since the beginning. And, right, you know, yeah, yeah. Where I feel like a child. <laughs> <laughs> and so. May your gigs be plentiful. And may your GPS never falter. And we are the, the Gig, gig Hose.
All right. Okay. Know what time it is, Marla Jo? What time is it? It's time for Credit of the Week. Ooh, ha. <laughs> so this is a song called Be Free, and this is from when I had Tony Battaglia and I had the commercial recording studio on Broadway and 20th Street, and uh, the great jazz flautist Herbie Mann was recording a record with a bunch of Brazilian musicians. So I got them to play a couple of my tracks with me, and they were all such amazing players. They weren't all Brazilian, but they knew Brazilian music. So drummer's Ricky Sebastian, a brilliant, legendary drummer from New Orleans, and Paul Sokolo, who's great on bass, and Tinino Horta, who's playing guitar, is this Brazilian guy who had his own superstar career in Brazil, and wow. uh, Billy Drew's on soprano sax. Just, And I was just trying to hang in there on my piano because I was playing with these guys, you know, who I felt at that time were so much better than me. Your so head must have been exploding. <laughs> I was just hanging on by my fingernails, sweating it out, you know. I'm sure you hung on just fine. I did, yeah. I did. And yeah. it actually worked out great because I was just playing my part, and then they were doing their magic all around it. So this is the thing, audience, um, I will share with you about the magic first take. You know, so you, you get with the players, you run the song down a bunch till the point at which you feel you're ready to record it. And then you do. But usually in the first take, you make some goofs or you realize you could have done something better. So you take it a couple more times, maybe do three or four or five takes, right? And usually it's the later ones that sound better. But sometimes you hit this thing where the first one is just magic. And it's magic because everyone's not quite sure what they're going to do. And they're not thinking about what they did the time before. They're it's just fresh. really, yeah, they're on the loose wig, you know what I mean? And we were on the loose wig. and the, That's the one you kept. It is the one. We did five, and, and I think we knew all along it was just going to be number one, and it, and it was. And it's, I'm so proud of this track. It's so, so beautiful, and I'm so grateful those guys were there and willing to play with me. <laughs> it's just great. So the name of this song is Be Free, and uh, it will be up on SoundCloud, and enjoy. Enjoy. It's fabulous. You just keep on going Like it was at the start One golden moment You knew you had to find To hear the full song, follow the link on the Gig Hose Facebook page. The Gig Hose podcast is produced and recorded by Marla Joe and Willa Basson, also known as the Gig Hose. Thanks to Jeremy Goldberg for opening voiceover.